Welcome to the Every Little Model podcast, where we explore stories and insights inside different models and frameworks that help us thrive at work. In today's episode, John and I are exploring another of our favorite models, the resistance line from the Lewis Deep Democracy Method. John, do you want to kick us off by giving us a bit of a description about what this model is about? Absolutely. Now, we are talking about the resistance line. Before we get into it, we'd like to position any of the models that we talk about. as What kind of a model is it? Is it a why model? Something that helps us understand that the provenance of something or the overall vision uh, for something? Is it a model that helps us to understand how how to do something, how, how we will uh, take action? Is it a what model? Is it an if model? Out of uh, why, how, what, and if, I consider the resistance line model to be a what model. It's describing forms of resistance. Uh, to change. And that change could be a, a proposal. It could be something or an idea that coming out of a problem-solving session. Just describe what this is again for the listeners, always playing on the cognitive ability to paint a picture in your mind. Um, the resistance line model, we came across this by Lewis Deep Democracy, and, and, and they provide courses and they give you the, the, the tools and training so that you can develop methods for looking at conflict and disagreement and differences and point of view and to leverage it to unlock creativity and innovation. The model that we have here um, is, as it says on the title, it's a spectrum. On that horizontal line, on, on one side, it goes from covert resistance and then on the right-hand side at the other terminal, you have overt resistance. Covert being things, obviously, that are maybe difficult to really understand, see and, and, and interpret as resistance. Overt, it's clearly resistance. So between those two um, ends of the spectrum, those two points, we have a series of things moving left to right from covert to overt. We have resistance that might manifest itself as jokes and humor. The jokes might start to become a little sharper with some sarcasm. And that kind of blends then into a, a series of gradations, again, moving closer and closer to more overt resistance. You have excuses, maybe not for, for not doing something or excuses as to why this isn't the right thing to work on. Gossip, which definitely uh, takes us away from uh, any kind of task or issue at hand. Poor communication is, is right at the bisect of the spectrum. And then we move into things that are becoming more overt forms of resistance. Disruption, making things go slower than they need to. All the way through to perhaps a strike or a tools down or a walkout. All the way finally to a withdrawal. And, and in this particular model, they will even say that conflict, such as a war, could be a far extreme of that. So that's the resistance line. And the question becomes, where is the resistance that I'm sensing? What is it? And what do I do about it in any given situation? Tricia, what do you appreciate most about, about this resistance line model? There are a few things that I really appreciate about this model. I think this model encourages us to pull and take a sense and take stock of what's happening and what are these symptoms or the signs that we're seeing in front of us. So it encourages us to look at what is happening and to internalize that and say, what, what can I do about that? Or what might I need to do? But I think even inside of that, what I love about this model is that the whole model is grounded in a desire to listen to others and to try to understand different perspectives and to challenge yourself to see different perspectives as opportunities for creating something different. So as platforms for new ideas, as opposed to a difference of opinion being 
a personal attack or a disagreement, a conflict in some way, it can get to the point where it becomes tension and conflict as things escalate. But I think in the beginning, it is encouraging us to go seeking out of different perspectives. And what this model does is it gives you a sign. It's, It's telling you, it's showing you the signs of where different views or perspectives live. If you're hearing a few of those jokes in a meeting, or you're hearing some sarcasm in a meeting, that's a sign or a symptom that that person or there's some others that think differently about this. And one of the things about this model that it encourages us to think about is to go seek that difference of opinion, seek it out and try and draw it out so that you can understand. I think what often happens to us is we hear those jokes and it often starts off in that space of little comment or snide jokes, but we just move past them. We keep going. Like, let's just pretend that did happen. And instead of stopping and speaking out, what is behind that? Tell me more. We just, we keep going. And that's when if we ignore and we keep going, it starts to build momentum. And then it becomes, as the model says, it, it grows into excuses and then it grows into gossip and it grows to the point where it becomes more and more overt in different ways. So for me, the main thing that I love about this model is the fact that it encourages that cause and the encouragement to go see the different ideas, to look for, to ask for it. You and I, Don, come from a world when we worked as change agents, we had these 12 golden rules of consulting. And one of those golden rules was seek first to understand. I think this model is so strongly grounded in that principle of seeking first to understand. It's, it's telling you, especially when you see these things happening, go seek to understand what's happening. I'm really curious to know from you, some of your thoughts about the word resistance, because I know we've often talked about this and the word resistance itself has different mental filters or associations that come with it that can position us in a certain way or make us feel a certain way. So I'm interested to know what are some of your thoughts about that? I'm smiling because you made reference to something that I think fits a very classic paradigm uh, when it comes to resistance. Can you cast it aside? And again, for listeners, I'd be waving my arm from one side to the next. Do you, you just dismiss the resistance or do you punch through it? And that's such a classic paradigm. As you asked me, what do I think about resistance? I think it's such a paradigm change to shift from thinking about resistance as something to be managed, to be overcome, to be handled or controlled, resistance being futile, and shifting that to looking at resistance as feedback. And it's everywhere. I mean, I was reminded, thinking about resistance, I was reminded of the Dr. Seuss book, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. And I would transpose the classic line from that little book into the following, from there to here, from here to there. People are resisting things everywhere. It's natural. It's ubiquitous. And if we treat it as feedback, uh, as you were saying, as, as we seek first to understand and to learn, we might find that there are better interventions, better solutions to be, to be arrived at. Going back to that old paradigm, and it's reinforced by so many, so many uh, books and articles, it's reinforced by people, leaders in organizations that just want to get things done. You could misuse a model like this and, and go bluntly along the spectrum. So how do we drive out humor? How do we tell people that their sarcastic jokes are, are leaving a bad impression and they're, they're not professional? How do we drive no excuses, management, et cetera? How do we improve our communications so we're just a lot clearer? And, and, and I think that this model is not 
used that way. It's used to help us look for things. Again, it's a what model. It's a, a model that helps me if I'm facilitating something, if I'm part of a, a problem solving group, if I'm a group of a, a, a participants in a group of people who are listening to somebody say, this is the policy that we're now going to be enacting to be able to look for those signs that suggest, you know, maybe somebody is smiling about this or wincing because they see that they've tried this before and it didn't work. Or somebody is saying, hey, let me give you some reasons as to what some of the pitfalls might be. And that's coming across as excuses when in fact, somebody's genuinely trying to say that there are some risks that have not been uncovered here. Again, it just helps us get below that waterline and understand what's going on at a deeper level. What you make me think of, John, is from a, a leadership perspective. I think this does encourage in leaders a sense of self-awareness and a sense of humility. Because it isn't about driving these things out, but it's about pausing and recognizing them when they happen and going to ask. And I think there is a level of humility that leaders need to have in order to do that. Because you're getting it to say feedback from the organization or from others that, that gives you an indication that there's something that you are missing here and you need to seek that out. So you need to ask, tell me more, what is happening here? What am I missing? And it does require a level of humility and patience. Often we're challenged in organizations who want to make things happen faster. And so when these things, when we see these symptoms occur, part of why we move past them, because we feel like we don't have the time to engage in them. We don't have the time to seek out what is behind them or why they're there. And it does require us to have, from a leadership perspective, both patience and humility to be able to seek these out so that we are ultimately making better decisions and that we're going in the direction that people will buy into and they will be part of and they will take part in so that they're not being excluded and sort of opting out. Because I think that's what the model is telling us. The less the people are heard, the more they will move up the scale to overt resistance where they will opt out. And just in, in the world right now, we're talking about the great resignation that's happening across all our organizations. And that's all the way to the right end of the scale about withdrawal and overt resistance of people actually leaving and parting ways and going in other directions because they feel that there's something really important to them that hasn't been recognized or heard in the organization that they're in. So something has come up. It has escalated so much that they're now going down that direction. And so it makes me think about it and encourages me to think about as leaders, what do we need to do to be able to be a better leader in the frame of what is this model telling us? I, I like that. It's, it has caused me to reflect on my own behavior because this is really, it's in a way, it's a language for resistance. It's how resistance speaks to us. However, inarticulately, however, perhaps ambiguously or confusingly, I start thinking about, wait a minute, I, I just made a cynical joke there. It was natural. It felt right. But am I trying, what am I trying to tell somebody? What am I resisting at the moment? I've just walked away from something. What did that withdrawal? What message did that send? What message was I trying to send? How can I start to put words around or, or translate that resistance language into some more helpful words that we might use to, to speak and talk with so that I can now work with that more productively. So I think it, it is enabling of self-reflection and change agents and leaders. So no, this is a fantastic framework. I love, I love that point that it's not just a model that helps us to recognize that there are unsaid things 
within other people from their behavior. But there, it's also a model that helps us think about what am I not saying based on my own behavior? If I drop a little joke in there or if I withdraw or go silent in a meeting and choose not to partake or if I engage in gossip, what is it that I am not saying? So it's encouraging me to think about what am I doing and how am I contributing to helping to progress? So it's not only just on others and what can it tell me about what am I missing from others, but it's also self-reflective. I love that point but taking it inside. So it's a diagnostic, not just in terms of outside what's happening, but that you can use self-reflective diagnostic as well in terms of your own behavior. Dear, oh dear, I'm getting flashbacks to being a youngster in grade school. Somebody saying, use your words. Trisha, looking at, at this model of the resistance line and trying to bring it to life with some stories and experiences, as we like to say, every little model has a story, it tells a story. What are some of the, the stories that come to mind when you're exploring this spectrum of overt and covert resistance? So I have two stories, John, that come to mind. One is one that you and I have had a shared experience and one is personal. But the shared experience that you and I have had, and we have sat in some organizational meetings where... I can think of times where jokes and sarcastic jokes had a strong presence in that meeting. And they very much became something that we expected in the meeting and something that we even joked about the joke. Like we expected those things to occur. And when they didn't happen in the meeting, we're like, where is it? Why isn't it here? And I guess I'm just reflecting on when you look at that experience through this lens of this model, What were we really missing? And did we really seek out what were behind those jokes? And did we really genuinely try to listen to the issues that were causing those jokes to emerge, those sarcastic jokes to emerge? So that's one experience that I'm thinking of. Also more personal and more current to me is I am deep in the throes of teenage parenting. And teenage parenting, I know you're laughing because you've passed that. (laughs) <laughs> Lucky you. Um, but teenage parenting, many of these signs of resistance from jokes and sarcastic jokes to complete go slow and not doing of chores, not following of rules and going outside of that, doing your own thing, many signs in that. And I'm having to think about and reflect on the signs that I'm seeing and go speaking as this model encourages you to go fishing, as they say, to go fishing for what is behind that and to find ways to engage in productive conversation with a teenager to explore what is behind some behavior. So those are the two experiences that I can, like I said, one that's much older and one just very current for me that position this model has a lot of relevance in those situations for me. What about you or some of your stories? Well, that, that resonates with me. And that's how a podcast goes from, you know, 20 to 30 minutes into a two hour if I'm not careful. So I'll just say that it resonates. And it also makes me think of, of an analogous situation and the manifestation of resistance as excuses. I, I've I remember having a, a, a working session, one of the gatherings and an improvement project, and you get your working group together to talk about what have we progressed over the last five days or seven days. We've got our roadmap. We have our series of experiments that we're conducting or, or pilots that we're testing or the solutions that we're rolling out. And 
you go a few meetings and, and you start to sense a pattern of people who just, you know, I was meaning to get to that. I, I reached out, but we didn't hear back from anybody. And, and, and it, this framework gave me cause to pause in the same way that one might do with their, their child as well as giving a lot of excuses to say, I've got a, ch- I have a choice now. I could, we could have a managing conversation, which I think is the wrong thing to do at some point. Well, let's just get all these things done. No more excuses. Or you could just pause and say, forget about whether things are getting done. Forget about what living up to the commitments that we made to each other. What's going on? Let's talk about what's going on. Because again, to use that phrase that I I used earlier, there's often a competing commitment. And that commitment could be something else that is just consuming your time, another demand from somebody. It could be something you just have more passion for. It could be the fact that this thing that I keep making an excuse that I'm not, you know, this, this experiment that I just don't want to do is because I don't believe in it. But isn't it wonderful when you can surface those things? And yeah, okay. So we maybe we we started to fall behind in some of our tasks on our project plan, but we picked up a lot of pace. And I think we, we got to an end point, which was a lot more satisfactory for our customer than it would be had we just ignored this and, you know, waved it aside or tried to punch through it. Yes, the lessons there map over to my experience as a parent as well. Yeah. And in our role at Change Agent, we don't have any positional authority when we work with people in organizations. So we're trying to influence and we're trying to engage and we're trying to get people to want to buy in to doing something. We expect to see resistance. In fact, that is very much a part of what we're going to do. What I find interesting with this model is that frame that they say where if a behavior continues beyond three or four times, then it's no longer unconscious, rational, and logical, but it's now has something emotional and irrational underneath it that really needs interesting. to And that you have to really go seeking that out. And that was something that was very relevant for us in the world of work as a change agent. As you were saying, speak to be setting up teams, or we would be trying to work on a project plan and you just would find excuses from people like, we don't have time to do this. We don't have time to, and all of these different things that they would say. This is prompting us to say, well, once you start to see that happening with a regular frequency, you need to ask a different question. You need to ask, tell me more about what is holding you back from this or what are we missing that we haven't covered that you feel needs to be present for you to take part in this or some different question that you have to ask as opposed to when is it going to happen as opposed to an action question. It's a different type of question that you need to go seeking. One of those models I wish I had learned about much earlier. What one thing, what one thing would you take away or encourage listeners to take away uh, in thinking about this tool? That's a great question. I think there are so many things in this model, but if there's one thing that I would want people to remember or take away from this model is that making it safe and appreciating difference of opinions will result in something better in the end. Recognizing these signs of resistance as something to nurture and encourage and explore. We want to see them as buds like that, as opposed to thorns that we want to move away from, like kind of just pretend like they are not happening and go in the other direction. It's to try and reframe those moments as potential buds and nurture them so that we can see what comes out of it, what blossoms from that. That to me would be the, the one thing I would want people to take away from this model. What about you? You've kind of just stolen the main one. I, I can only riff off of your lead. For me, it's, it's very simple. Resistance is feedback. And like feedback, 
you want to seek it out. Like feedback, it is useful and will only make whatever you're trying to do better informed. And ideally, if you choose to incorporate that feedback, better. But that's uh, that's the one thing, you know, moving away from resistance is futile to resistance is feedback is mine. Perfect. Is it my turn in this episode for me to share if this model were on object? It, would it yeah, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's my pleasure to watch the discomfort as uh, I get to entertain <laughs> others when it's my turn. So yes, <laughs> what one, what object would this be? Okay, so if this model were an object, what would it be? The first thing that came to mind when I thought if this model were an object, what would it be? It would be a thermometer. Okay. And it would be like, how hot is it? But I want to put that aside and I want to reframe it slightly. So if this model were an object, what would it be? I actually was thinking it would be like a pool litmus kit where you're testing, you you test the pH balance of your pool or whatever, some kind of lit, litmus kit, whether that's to test the water in your pool or I don't know, the water in your sink or whatever, but to get a sense of <laughs> how acidic is it <laughs> in a way. But they, and the reason why I say it's different to a thermometer is because that encourages me to think about what I can do and what I need to seek out to bring it back into a state of balance. The thermometer is just hot, so they can't really do much about it. But the pool litmus kit or the litmus test is giving me feedback and information that I can then make a choice to say, this is what I'm going to do. So this is how I'm going to try and intervene as a result. So that's what I'm going to go with. It's going to be some sort of litmus test from back in my science. You have upped the standard now for this uh, this particular question, and uh, I like it. Make sure before you stick your even your little toe in that pool water, you want to make sure it's all the pH is balanced and everything. So I like that. I forget about whether it's hot or cold. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode talking about the resistance line from Lewis Deep Democracy. On our Instagram page at Every Little Model and on our website, everylittlemodel.com, you can find a visual image of this model that you can download with the transcript. Also, sign up to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram and stay in touch for more on this model and others. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please send us an email at hello at everylittlemodel.com and help us grow our listening base by sharing this episode with your friends and colleagues. Join us again next month when we explore a new model and share the stories that these models inspire. We look forward to you listening in.